This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. My food appreciation teacher, she told me face-to-face I'd never make in the NFL. Again, that's why I tell people, don't listen to naysayers and negative folks who uh, want to bring you down because at some point you're going to have that I told you so right back to them. So i got to ask you, now, are you rolling it's tape good. on me like I'm rolling tape on you? Are you taping this? I'm not taping this. I, I, uh, I'm not worried about you, Jim. What's cracking? Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast. Thank you very much for finding it. I'm so pumped to be here and to bring this to you now every single Tuesday. I've been doing this for a long, long time now. In fact, a little back-of-the-napkin math should put this into proper context. 30 years of radio, five days a week, all the different formats I've hosted, from Santa Barbara to San Diego to taking this thing nationwide, building the jungle brick by brick into what it is right now. That's over 20,000 hours of live radio. And right now, you're listening to Hour 1 of Original Podcasting. And this is what has me so pumped. Because not everything I want to do behind this microphone fits neatly into the jungle. And that's what the Jim Rohn Podcast is all about. Turning the clock off. Letting an interview be more of a conversation. Stretching out the 9 or 10 minutes I'll get with a guest. And then taking it in a direction that you may not expect from me. Hell, a direction that even I might not expect from myself. Now, the jungle's not going anywhere. I'm still as dedicated as ever to making sure that those three hours are the best three hours of sports talk radio that you're going to find anywhere. The Daily Jungle has also served a great purpose, getting it back into the ears of clones who may not have me in their market or don't have three hours a day to tune in. But the Jim Rohn Podcast, this is going to be different. It's unique. It's original content, and you're going to come along for the exact same ride that I'm on. We'll figure out what makes the best podcast and how to keep rolling out great guests and great takes and great new ideas. So if you're here, thank you very much. You know I appreciate you. You're going to be in for a hell of a ride. Stick around. Pot it up. Let's get this thing on the open road, and let's see where it takes us. Aaron Rodgers is coming up shortly, and former two-time world champion boxer Paulie Malignaggi will join us to break down May Weather v. McGregor and talk about his beef with Connor. But before we do that, let me hit you with a quick take that I have from the fight. Look, I didn't go to Vegas for this one, but like a lot of you, I chipped off a C note to watch an unpaid preview. And I listened to all the purists and boxing guy talk about what a shit show that was going to be, the ultimate cash grab, and even bigger waste of time. To which I said, great, don't watch it. But pretty much everybody else will. And they did, and what they saw was a much better fight than anybody expected. Was it the best fight ever? No, of course not. But I'll tell you what, it was a hell of a lot better than Mayweather-Pacquiao. Now that was a cash grab. That was a ripoff. That pissed me off. Not this, though. McGregor went nearly 10 rounds with Mayweather. He's got nothing to be ashamed of, and he proved yet again he's tough as hell. And he came out of this fight looking better than he did going into it. Mayweather, meanwhile, is not nearly the fighter he once was, but he actually did something he rarely did in his career. He came forward, he opened up, and he finished the show. So yes, it was definitely worth it for the fighters and for the fans. 
And when was the last time you could say that about a Mayweather fight? I don't need to see it again, but I'm glad they did it. Nothing ever lives up to the hype, but this one did, and I got my 100 bucks worth. Let me ask you something. How often do you think about your socks? If you're like I used to be, probably not very much. But then I discovered socks that changed the way I'll think about socks forever. They're called Bombas. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Made from premium cotton, Bombas stay warm in the winter and cool in the summer. And every single pair comes with a built-in blister tab, innovative arch support, and stay-up technology, plus a seamless toe. I'm telling you, what I love is they do not lose integrity and fall down during the day. And every single pair comes with a built-in blister tab, innovative arch support, stay-up technology, and a seamless toe. I love that they do not lose integrity and fall down during the day. And they don't get killed after a run through the dryer. Each wear is like the first. And there are so many colors, patterns, lengths, and styles. Bombas look great in the gym, at the office, and out of town. As an example, we look the part in the office, so I go with the Bombas dress socks Monday through Thursday, and then I'll bust out with the casual Americanos on Fridays. They're all crazy fashionable and super comfortable. Bombas are what feet daydream about. It's like you're not even wearing a sock. And for every Bombas purchase you make, Bombas donates a pair to somebody in need. Keep cool, keep comfortable, and keep contributing with the best socks in the history of feet, Bombas. Buy one pair or four at bombas.com slash Rome right now and get 20% off on your first purchase. Once again, that's bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Rome for 20% off. Bombas.com slash Rome. When I announced that we were going to go with this new podcast, a number of you clones or my listeners said, great, what about us, Rome? And I said, what about you? And your response was, how are you going to involve us? And I said, the same way I involve you on the daily radio program, as little as possible. More of me and less of you is good for the show. I've got a family to feed. And the same thing is going to apply to the new podcast. Just kidding. Not really. But yeah, some of you, and you'll say, you made me. Ask some more of you, and you'll say, you can actually do it better than I can. And you know what? Maybe you can. So here's your chance to prove it with a voicemail that I set up just for this new podcast. Hit me up whenever and about whatever you want. If you don't have the number, here it is once again. 949 345-0447. Save that in your phone. Lob me a call anytime. I mean it. 949-385-0447. As you might imagine, we ended up with several hundred phone calls. And like I always say, give me an A or give me an F. So here is the very best and the worst of episode one. If you can do better, hit me up for episode two. You have 11 new messages. First new message. Jim, CEO, bro. As usual, got to be the first one in. Hey, good luck on the podcast, bro. Can't wait for it to drop. And uh, have some fun. Message saved. Next message. Bohica, baby! Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim. This is Mike in Buffalo. Just heard the number on the uh, show today. Just wanted to call and ask for some credit for uh, starting the crank counter in 2017. Message deleted. Next message. Rome, I want to, this is Justin from Melbourne. I want to weigh in on McGregor versus Mayweather, no pun intended. Message deleted. Next message. Hi, Jim. It's Bella B. Calgary. Look, there's 40 days until Utah hockey, 
and I can't wait. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Romy, it's Homie. Uh, down at the gate trying to come up to watch the fight. Um, can you just call down real quick and just have them buzz me up? Message deleted. Next message. Romy, what's up, dude? It's FBI Mike here. Message deleted. Next message. Fans Mac, Josh and Slow. Calling to recap the fight. Thought it was an amazing fight. I think it's a terrible look for boxing. Um, they just take a guy out of MMA world, throw him against the best boxer in the world, and gives him one hell of a fight. Terrible look for boxing. War MMA. Message saved. Next message. Romy, what's up, man? It's Mike and Little Rock. You probably know me better as the nooch. I know you're not going to use this. I just kind of wanted to test it out. Oh, yeah. Did I already say happy Saturday? Happy Saturday, man. What time is it? Like 11 o'clock? Something like that. Hope you're having a good day, Vin. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, yo, pimp in the box, squirrel master. Floyd Mayweather isn't the undisputed champ. He's the undisputed crook. Everybody knows little Mayweather was going to get knocked out. Money Mac, fuck that. Message deleted. Next message. Romy, what's up, bud? Anton here, checking in with you early on a Sunday morning. But, hey, great idea here with the voicemail line. I don't know what uh, Hawk or Hoff did to get in trouble, but uh, making them filter through these is a great form of punishment, boys. I'd shape up because the next step from here is Jim asking us to send in news to the jungle junk line. Message deleted. You have no more messages. Great. <laughs> Pretty much what I expected, if not worse. Hey, Anton. There is not going to be jungle junk mail. Hawk and Huff are not going to be looking for your nudes, so do not send them. And homie, I'm really sorry I missed you this weekend for the fight. Actually, I'm not sorry at all. And Mike and Little Rock, Nooch, I know you're trying to captain Team Bake, but take that Laramie Tunsil gas mask bong off before you call next time. There you have it, round one. The first batch of voicemails. The question is, is it going to be the last batch? Because after that weekend, it sounds like a lot of you, if not all of you, were completely overserved. I'll try and run this thing back next week. I'll give you one more shot. Once again, write this number down, 949-385-0447. Write it down, use it, lob me a call. Hell, I may even pick up. You never know. Now, I couldn't be more pumped for our very first guest, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron's done the radio show for a number of years, and every single time we talk, it never seems to be enough. Better to leave them wanting a little more, I guess, except that's no longer an issue here. Not with this format, where I now have the ability to extend an interview and to turn it into a conversation, a really good conversation. And that's exactly what we have here, a conversation about football, but much more. You see, come to find out, my man loves to throw a line in the river, crush some FIFA in the locker room, and obviously tee it up whenever he can, including right alongside Michael Jordan, who he tells us he did not mess with when he did. On top of that, I get his reaction to Mayweather McGregor and where he comes out on John Bones Jones, plus his thoughts on why he's not wired like Tom Brady and his breakdown of this week's finale of Game of Thrones. Let me ask you something, Aaron, about your offseason. I know you spent a week in Montana fly fishing. We used to have a house there. I've spent a number of summers there. It's one of my favorite places ever. Where did you go in the big sky? Flew into Billings, and that was kind of a base, and then drove to a few different places. We uh, 
we fished the Madison upper part of that. Then we fished um, on some private land. There was like 18 miles of creek out there. Fantastic. And some lakes as well. And then we fished the boulder. The one that they they filmed, the river runs through it on. I think it's called the boulder. And that was probably the best day. So it sounds like you had a great run. Now, to me, or maybe it's me, Aaron, but fly fishing is a hell of a lot harder than it looks. But then again, it's got to be me, right? It's not that hard. It's not as hard as I'm making it, right? No, I think it is. It is it's challenging for sure. It, it's about uh, that rhythm. You know, once you can get that rhythm down. Um, but the fun part is the challenge of trying to put it in a certain spot. The uh, last day as we were fishing uh, out of the raft, um, a lot of kind of once the rapids died down, there's a place where it's nice and smooth, uh, tempo of the river, um, you're really trying to throw it in these spots. So we had a great guide. You're trying to put it right in the spot and let it just kind of trickle down to the fish because the fish sit upstream. So they're waiting for that uh, that food, that bait, as they're facing upstream. So you just let that fly come on down to them. And, uh, talk about exciting. When you get one on, that's uh, that's pretty pretty intense feeling. Especially if you, you know, you've, you've cast one right in the perfect spot and get just kind of curl down the way that the guy tells you, and then you get one on, that's pretty exciting. I had a, a, a really nice one on, uh, um, over 20 inches, and I lost it right at the boat. So that was the only uh, only bummer of the trip. It was a great trip. I'll tell you what, you're used to putting in tight windows, but I can't believe you and I are talking about the same recreation because I didn't get nearly that close to any of that, but I think that's the ideal. Now, I know you're a huge sports fan. I know you watched Mayweather-McGregor Saturday night. What did you think, and did you get your money's worth out of that pay-per-view? Well, Jim, we were in the locker room, and the game ended for us, and luckily there was a delay in the fight because I figured by the time our game ended in Denver, the fight would be over. But uh, we actually were able to watch the fight from round uh, four on. So the weird part is the first three rounds, McGregor – one on the card, every indication. So didn't see those rounds. Uh, four through ten was definitely, uh, you know, Floyd was uh, was dominating those rounds. It seemed like, um, you know, and Connor obviously got a little tired. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, and Mayweather, maybe he thought he was worried about a card off. So he kind of picked it up there. It seemed rounds seven, eight, nine, and ten. Uh, that also kind of coincided with Connor. Uh, tiring, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was better than uh, some of the other kind of bigger fights that I've uh, I've bought in the past. Much better, much and, better. Uh, you know, I'm still UFC to me is still like watching the Jones against Cormier fight and the other fights they had that night. Uh, to me, there's just usually a clear cut resolution. The boxing too often kind of goes to the cards, and then anything can happen. Yeah, and when you mentioned John Jones. I mean, this guy, and is a pro athlete who plays the game at the highest level, when you look at that guy athletically, what do you think? And then if, in fact, Aaron, that's a test, a positive test that sticks, what do you make of an athlete at the highest level who's coming off suspension and then knowingly still tries to get another edge? Well, he reminds me of his brother. His brother is uh, tall, athletic, you know, great wingspan, incredibly gifted um, athletically. I mean, both those guys... Uh, for as big as they are, are so damn athletic. Um, you know, 
Bones Jones has always been a fun fire to watch because he's so diverse in his attack. I mean, he's got great hands and elbows, but his kicks are also, as we saw in that fight, uh, pretty powerful. This funny thing for him is, you know, the first part of his post-fight interview seemed like there was a lot of uh, perspective as he talked about kind of what he's learned and the people who've been with him on the journey and thanking the people who hated on him for inspiring him. And I, was, I thought it was very respectful with, uh, with Cormier. Then it went into the whole, you know, challenging Brock Lesnar thing. If it's another uh, positive test, it's just disappointing for the sport uh, because, you know, now that'd be him with a couple, I think, and Brock had one after it looked like, you know, after he beat um, Randy that maybe he was kind of the next heavyweight star. So it's, it's, it's disappointing if that's true. And also disappointing for Cormier, too, you know, who put – so much into that and uh you know came up short a couple times against a guy who you know maybe tested positive again you call me such good dude i mean you know exactly what he put into that and to have to go through that whole thing again is pretty mind-blowing now aaron you're a cali native i'm a cali native i'll never forget the first time that i went to green bay it was back in 96 and i stopped by fuzzy thurston's bar somebody had invited me aaron i slammed a beer with fuzzy which was a thrill I wake up the next morning, I slam another four or five beers with brats at a 7 a.m. tailgate. I'd never done that in California. Then I go to the game and I crush more beers so as not to freeze my ass off for the next three hours. I guess what I'm getting at is I have never been more out of place or so ill-equipped for anything in my life at that point. What do you remember about the very first time you touched foot in Green Bay? Well, I remember actually before that I was on the flight from New York to Detroit and it was snowing. It was April 24th, 2005, and it was snowing in Detroit. And I was like, are you kidding me? It's like 85 degrees out in California. Uh, got off the plane. It wasn't snowing in Green Bay, but I remember just driving from the airport, wondering uh, when the buildings and the high-rises, <laughs> or just, you know, business area was going to show up. Um, and, you know, like a downtown business area and then Lambo. And there's none of that. You know, it was just all flat with some houses, some farms, and then bam, then there's Lambo, you know, uh, the biggest building in the area. So that was definitely, uh, you know, a surprise for me. Uh, But uh, on the flight out, I'll never forget this, I was sitting next to Niall Diggs. And I knew who he was because of playing Madden for so many years and knew he was on the Packers. And he couldn't have been nicer uh, as we flew from Detroit to Green Bay, I talked to Zeroff for an hour about what Green Bay was like, uh, what I was going to expect, what the coaches were like, what the players were like, how I was living there. He'd been on the team, I think, for seven, six or seven years at that point. So that was fun for me to be able to, to meet him, uh, like the first Packer I met, and then uh, get to Green Bay. Obviously, it's a little, a little different uh, in California, but uh, I really enjoyed my time there, obviously. You know, you mentioned Madden, so let me just hit you with a quick either-or. Halo or FIFA, and are any of your teammates beating you at either? Halo, I don't think so. I really don't. Uh, FIFA, yes. FIFA's kind of a game in the locker room now. In training camp, when we have time between meetings in a day or lunch, uh, there's there's some good two-on-two FIFA games. Mason Crosby and I have been teaming up and doing well, but... Uh, one-on-one, I would say David Bakhtiari is probably the guy to beat at this point in the uh, in the locker room. 
you know, knowing you a little bit, I'm sure that doesn't sit very well with you. So what are you doing about that? And you probably won't even tell me, but I know if he's getting over and he's beating you, you're not happy about that. So what are you doing about that? I, I wish I had some time to practice. Um, I don't play video games the way I used to. I have plenty of other things that, that uh, take my take my time up. But, um, you know, I may have glanced at some uh, some buttons on, uh, on the Internet to make sure I was uh, – using the right ones and figure out, because he does all these different moves on the ball. He can do stepovers and fake shots, fake and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm kind of, you know, pass through ball, you know, X over the top. And then, you know, I love to slide tackle and uh, take the ball away. So he's doing some skilled moves that I had to, had to research a little bit to make sure I wasn't, uh, wasn't in over my head too much. But, uh, you know, I'm still not beating him. Got to, got to. You know, I don't think, Aaron, you get to the NFL without a certain drive or a certain fire, regardless of how talented you are. But I think that yours runs a little bit deeper. In fact, I think it runs much deeper. And it seems to me that it's not just a mere a result of a draft day fall or having to wait as long as you did to become a starter. I mean, that's part of it, I'm sure. But there's more to it than that. You ask any of your teammates, and they will say it never turns off. No matter what you're doing, that you're all about that, and you want to win, and you're never going to give in any time for anything. So my question is, and I've asked this of other great athletes, what is that? Where does that come from? Is that hard wiring, or is it something else? I think it's something else. I think just kind of the way that I am wired does does help, but it's a strong, deep desire to be great combined with uh, strong competitiveness. And my role models in sport were all the best players in their sport, and some of them the best of all time, uh, Michael Jordan, was my favorite basketball player, best all time. Joe Montana, Steve Young, two of the best all time. So those were the guys I was looking at. I was watching their games. I was studying their press conferences, what they talked about, what was important to them. They're, you know, trying to figure out how they were so clutch. You know, so many great drives, you know, starting in uh, 89 for Joe, the, the drive. And, you know, Michael, with his late second heroics uh, so many times, um, you know, that was kind of my uh, my goals there was to, to be mentioned in the same breath of those guys as a kid. That's what I thought about. Man, I would love to be looked at like that. Those guys are the best. And so that was what drove me. And then my story really aided me because I didn't have, you know, a lot of things given to me. I wasn't the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. I worked really hard. And then I made the most of my competitions. When I competed for a spot, I didn't want it. When I competed for a spot, I eventually won it. And, you know, the feeling of having to prove yourself a lot, uh, for me, was a major positive because I just harnessed that focus and kept that desire to be great, um, you know, close to my mind. And always thought about the decision that I was making and how each one of them affects, you know, future opportunities. And, and uh, thankfully it's all worked out pretty good so far. See, that to me is so key. I mean, you, you always thought about the decisions that you were making and how that was going to affect you right there in the moment and then going forward. And then you see a guy like Tom Brady and he seemingly Aaron has structured his entire life with that goal in mind to play well into his forties, virtually every single choice and decision this guy makes all day, every day is about the game in fact, it's not even like a job or a passion. He'd tell you it's essentially his life. He said as much. So do you approach it with that same sort of mentality and regimentation? I don't. Um, I have a ton of respect for, for Tom. 
the schedule he keeps, how he takes care of his body. Um, you know, but people are wired differently. And for me, uh, you know, I have my, my work life and then I have my personal life, personal time. And, you know, I, I haven't uh, eaten as well uh, in years past, been better about my diet with a focus on playing well late in my 30s and, and early 40s. Uh, the decision I make now, time management, definitely is is with a focus on playing till uh, you know as long as I can. But um, you know, I, I love uh, I love my TV shows and I love my my relaxation time. So um, you know, I respect the hell out of Tom and, and what he's done. And and I've said it before, you know, I'm kind of seeing how long he wants to play and, and how long he can make it, and hopefully I can make it the same uh, to the same age speaking of tv shows let me hit you with another either or game of thrones or the princess bride mm, that's, uh, i'm gonna say game of thrones right now uh just because it's on you know the uh season finale is so incredible i've seen the uh, princess bride a hundred times i could you know quote it probably from start to finish um i love that movie I've gotten to meet actually a couple of people who are in that movie, which is pretty cool. Uh, but Game of Thrones to me is, is so fantastic. A, a tougher one, really, Jim, would be Game of Thrones or Lost. Mm. Those are two of my all-time favorite TV shows uh, with just such great twists and characters and similar arcs of the show where there's so many different storylines coming together at the same time. You're just invested in so many different parts of the show. And as as I saw last night on the season finale, there's just uh, it's it's exciting. You know, it's coming down to the end, and there's there was more resolution in a season finale than we had the previous season. So it's going to get you excited. Now we just got to wait a year and a half for final season. All right. So you were fine with the finale. In fact, better than fine for the finale of Game of Thrones. What about the way Lost ended? How'd you feel about that? See, I loved it, I, and I, I've talked to people on both sides who hate it. And didn't understand it. I loved it because there was so much that you questioned, and that there was in that show less resolution, I think, uh, than maybe you would have wanted, and things that still didn't really make a whole lot of sense. And that's kind of how the finale was. It it explained some things, it tied up some loose ends, but there's still your own kind of interpretation. And I think it's how the show had to end. In my opinion, I'm not this crazy, crazy lost. But I do love the show, and I, um, you know, watched it religiously, um, and I love the the finale. I just think it's it was the perfect way to end the show. So hopefully, uh, Game of Thrones is is the same. Yeah, Aaron, you've been unbelievable with your time. Let me hit you with a couple of quick things before you go. And on a very serious note, I know you saw that recent report where 111 brains of NFL players were studied, and 110 were found to have CTE. I mean, it's obviously a small sampling, but it's still a pretty alarming number. What was your reaction when you saw that report? Yeah, that was, you know, not really surprising, I don't think. Um, it's an interesting issue. I think it's something that, that all of us football players, you have to think about. And it's on your mind uh, how you're going to be able to function at 40, at 50, hopefully at 60, at 70. Um, how's your cognitive brain function going to be? How's your motor skills, how are those going to be? Uh, because, it, you know, we play an impact sport. And fortunately for me, it's a position where there's not as many head collisions 
but uh, it's it's definitely something that's on all of our minds, and and I'm interested to see where science goes now in really explaining to us um, the ramifications of it, and also how we can start to prevent some of the some of the issues and really CTE kind of coming on. You know, there's a science is really an interesting place right now um, with performance, um, diet, how that affects your performance, um, natural supplements that help you um, and your body. Obviously, the vitamin world is interesting. But what is science going to do now for your brain? Is there going to be natural substances that occur in nature that we can take, which is going to help our brain function? Um, hopefully, that happens quickly. Um, but from a you know from a player's standpoint, I think we need to continue to help out our former players as we look to this next CBA. Continue to find ways to take care of those guys because they laid the groundwork for us, and a lot of them are dealing with some some serious issues. You know, as an example, Aaron, a guy that I know that you know, and I see him every single year at Super Bowl. One of my favorite guys ever, Jerry Kramer, and you know, physically, I know he's in a, in a tough way, in a bad way. And still not in the Hall of Fame. Where do you come out on that? Is he a Hall of Famer in your mind? I think he is. I, I think he definitely is. Um, he's kind of the last part of that Lombardi, that Lombardi group who uh, who deserve to be in. There's a lot of great players that played under Coach Lombardi. It'd be great to see uh, to see him get in. I, I think I saw on Twitter that he's in the finalist uh, pool, which is great. But um, love to put him in. Uh, He's, uh, I've got to meet him a few times. He's a fantastic guy, and, and uh, he deserves it. And Packer fans would be ecstatic. Aaron, you mentioned some of your mentors and a guy that you admired, Michael Jordan. I know you love golf. I know you've played golf with Michael Jordan. What's a round of golf like with MJ? It's a blast. It's an absolute blast. Um, I didn't bet with him, uh, which was which was good for me because I think he's beat me. We've played probably five times, and I only got him once. Uh, he might dispute that. Maybe I never got him. I feel like in my mind, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to that. I beat him one time. Uh, but he is, uh, he was so accommodating and just really fun to be around. I had, you know, a bunch of questions. Didn't want to fan out too much on him, but you know, he was great uh, talking to me about, you know, some of the stories from when he was with the bulls and ideas about, uh, you know, team structure and leadership and stuff. He was just, you know, really fun to be around and, and he loves to talk it up a little bit, even though we weren't betting. You know, there was definitely some trash talk. Uh, I, I didn't feel comfortable maybe trash talking him. Uh, but uh, he, he, he felt real comfortable trash talking everybody else in the group. Aaron, why? I mean, you, he, you, he you, you, Aaron, I know. I know you can hold He's your own. I know you got play. nothing to worry about. He's got a great short game. And it was fun. I was going to say, sorry to jump in there, but I know you can hold your own. I know you can talk smack with anybody if you choose to. Why not run your best at his best? Well, the one round I was playing pretty good was, I think, the second round we ever played together. So I didn't feel comfortable enough. To say anything. Plus, I feel like you know he's got that next that next level um, mentality, and I don't know. I just I felt like for me at that time my golf game was so inconsistent. At some point, I was going to fall apart. Um, but uh, you know, if I got him again, I might. Uh, you know, I might be a little more forthcoming with trash talk if I get it going. Gotcha. Last thing. Now, whatever became of those college rejection letters that you held on to, when was the last time you actually looked through them? 
I moved uh, a couple of years ago, and I found them again, and I put them. Uh, what I put? I think I put them in storage. So that was the last time I looked at them a couple of years ago. Those, those are fun. I mean, that, those give me the perspective. You know that. Uh, you know, I went through a lot. It was a it was a great journey to get to where I was, and just a reminder to never be complacent because um, the next guy is always out there working. In our business, young man's game, you know, they're always trying to, if they can replace you with a younger guy who can do it for less, they're going to try. So it's just a good reminder when I see that stuff. But also, you know, funny, I talked to, like, Ron Zook, who's on our staff now, who was the coach after Ron Turner at Illinois. And Illinois, I went to their team camp. They offered another kid in the group, which was fine. He was a good player. Um, ended up starting against him in my first game uh, at Division One. beat him. And uh, so Ron and I have some laughs from time to time um, about what would have been, but uh, you know it's a butterfly effect. Things happen the way they happen, and and uh, your life can go on a different tra- trajectory with just one, you know, one event, one action, one one decision. So I'm I'm happy with the way things turned out. I love my time at junior college, and and obviously at Cal, and it's been a fun uh, fun run, man. 13 years now in the league. It's incredible, Aaron. What about that guy from Purdue? There was an assistant at Purdue that apparently sent you a note that said, quote, good luck with your attempt at college football. I mean, did you open that up and say, are you fucking kidding me with this? Or, or am I misreading this, Aaron? And was he actually being sincere and trying to be nice? I mean, I think, I think he probably should have reread that after he typed it because it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really come off in, in that paragraph as a sincere good luck. Because in that paragraph, it was like, you don't rank... In comparison to the other 25 recruits of your position, uh, you don't compare. In comparison with the needs that we have on our on our roster, you don't compare. In comparison with the, you know, you don't belong. In the comparison with, uh, you know, the quarterbacks we got on staff on on the team right now, you know, it's it's uh, you know we don't have a spot for you. Um, this came kind of after those three, and I'm paraphrasing that, but it's basically what it said. It came kind of at the end of that paragraph. So to me, it was like, hey. A nice way of saying mm, you're not going to make it in, the, in in football. Maybe you should try something else. So good. That's I how I that, that one is right up there with my food appreciation teacher, who didn't write me a note, but she told me face to face I'd never make it in the NFL. So those two people, you know, again that's why I tell people don't listen to, don't listen to naysayers and negative folks who uh, want to bring you down because uh, at some point you're going to have that. Uh, uh, I told you so. Right back to him. The satisfaction of proving him wrong. And it feels good. So I got to ask you now: Are you rolling it's tape good. on me like I'm rolling tape on you? Are you taping this? I'm not taping this. I, I uh, I'm not worried about you, Jim. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Aaron Rodgers. Now you know what's not enjoyable: turning the house upside down, looking for a stamp when you need to mail something. These days, you can get practically everything on demand such as our podcast. Listen whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. So, why are you still going to the post office and dealing with their limited hours when you can get postage on demand with Stamps.com? I mean, anything that you can do at the post office, you can now do right from your desk with Stamps.com. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. And unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes. So you can get your postage whenever you need it, 24 and 7. Let me give you a true story. The other day, I had to be in three places at one time, but I had a document that absolutely had to go that minute. 
had to go. No way did I have time to go to the post office, and I didn't, thanks to Stamps.com. In fact, I never go to the post office anymore, and neither should you. Stamps.com is a lifesaver. Printing postage from my desk is one of my favorite things ever. Right now, use my name, Rome, for this special offer. You get a four-week trial. It includes postage and a digital scale. Do not wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in Rome. Stamps.com. Enter Rome. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office ever again. I've been doing this for a long time, and I can say that few events captivated like the Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor fight. And for as amazing as those two characters were... Pauli Malignaggi was not too far behind. The two-time world champ wasn't just Showtime's fight analyst Saturday night. He was Conor McGregor's sparring partner. And after the McGregor camp released edited footage of Pauli getting knocked down during a sparring session, Pauli v. Conor became nearly as compelling as Floyd v. Conor. And two days later, my man was still running hot, and he had plenty to say about the fight, McGregor the man, if he'd want a shot at the UFC champ next, and whether he's willing to put his money where his mouth is. So, Paul, it's been a few days since the fight. I know that you and Connor had some beef. You said in an interview yesterday that McGregor, quote, proved my point, push him to the limit, and McGregor bitches out, end of quote. Yeah. What did you mean by that? Well, he folds. He has a lot of folds in him. You know, in boxing, we call those guys punks. You know, guys like that, we call them punks. You know, they're, they're front runners. When, they're, when things are going their way and they have the advantage, they're loud, they're, they're boisterous, you know, they're, 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 they're looking good and whatever. But as soon as things stop, stop going their way and, and they have to deal with a little bit of discomfort, uh, they look for the, the first exit out of the fight, you know. Uh, he did it in the first Nate Diaz fight. You know, uh, he, was, he had his way in the first round. He thought he was cool. He was landing all those shots. Nate stuck it out because Nate is a true fighter. He stuck it out. He stuck out through the hard times. In the second round, he started turning things around. That was Connor's turn to try to turn things back around. And instead, he decided he didn't want to be a part of the fight. He decided to try to shoot in and take down the, the, the black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which obviously is another way to quit because once you, once you go to the ground with that black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if you're not a ground fighter, you will be submitted. So, so he, he, looked for his, he looks for his way out of the fight. He's a common denominator. Um, it's something that I noticed also uh, in our sparring sessions. It's just I wasn't in good enough shape to totally take advantage of it. But I noticed once things stopped going his way, he, the folding pattern started to show himself. He doesn't throw punches. He, uh, he kind of uh, goes into his own little shell, you know, uh, and so on and so forth. All right, so let me ask you this. I mean, these are really strong words like he's a punk, he quit, he folds. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you feel like he quit against Mayweather, yeah. like Roberto Duran, no moss, I quit, that kind of quit? No, Roberto Duran's no moss was more for frustration because he couldn't he couldn't touch Ray Leonard. And so that, that was, Roberto was a real ma- uh, macho guy. So so he uh, he used, uh, you know, he, he couldn't get to him, but he got kind of tired of it and he, and he, and he quit because, you know, he, he got sick of chasing Leonard around. This particular situation, it, was, uh, it wasn't a sort of uh, embarrassment thing. Duran quit more from the embarrassment. Uh, uh, the, the lack of, it wasn't a lack of machismo on uh, um, um, a part of uh, Connor. It was, it was more so he didn't want to fight anymore. He, he doesn't like to deal with pain. He doesn't want to deal with discomfort and whatnot. Once he's tired, it's only going to get worse and worse. Because once you're tired, you can have a hard time defending yourself. You have a hard time sustaining any kind of offense. So it's going to be a little bit difficult. You have to, it's, it's really where your mind comes into play. Because we all get tired in the late part of the fight, but we're all conditioned to, to deal with it. You know, but it's all in how our mind deals with it. And, and Connor never really deals with uh, fatigue very well. It's not an excuse. I'm sorry. At this, at this level, we all get tired at a certain point. The fights are very high intensity. So we all get tired. 
I mean, just to be fair, you, you're a former two-time world champ. I'm a dude with a radio show and a podcast. But I got to ask the question. I know he was tired. I know he wasn't fighting back. But do you really think he quit? There's a, there's a way you can quit, Jim. You know, nobody's going to say, I quit outright. If he wanted to fight, like he said after the fight, he said, I want I I I it to go out on my back. Well, buddy, you can't be assaulted without throwing a single punch back and expect the referee to let you continue. So you know in your mind, when you're in a situation like that, that you have to show some kind of life if you want to continue fighting. But if you don't show any kind of life, you know, in the back of your mind, you also know the referee will stop the fight, you know? So think about it. Put it, put it together. I'll give you an example. During my, my boxing career, especially early on, I had to finish a lot of fights with one hand. I kept breaking my hand. If I, every time I broke my hand or hurt my hand, started shaking my right hand around in the middle of the ring, started showing my opponent my hand's hurt, my hand's broken, you know, wouldn't it be a, a way of, of quitting? Like, because then I, now I'm showing the world, like, I have an excuse to quit. Instead, I have to keep my poker face and try to finish the fight one-handed and without giving, with, and by giving the illusion that I can use two hands even though I can't, and therefore keep you under control. We're all, we all get tired. We all get fatigued. But why do you show the fatigue? Why do you make like you're dead? I mean, Connor himself said after the fight he was never hurt. So if you're never hurt and all you are is tired, then why, do you, why are you showing it? Why are you making it look like you can't? I mean, he looked like a dead camel right. in the desert like who hadn't drank water in months. Is any of what you're saying about him right now your way to try to get him to fight you? Is that what the plan is? Um, no, I mean, listen, he's going to fight me or he's not going to fight me. I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth regardless. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, people can look at it as an opinion, but fighters know. Fighters know when a guy is a punk. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's ways you punk out of a fight. If you aren't hurt, then why, how are you not fighting anymore if you aren't hurt? You, the, a fighter has to dig down. Part, being a fighter is, is not round one when, you, when you're feeling good and, and, and the crowd is going crazy. Being a fighter is mid-rounds, uncomfortable, tired, hurting. What are you going to do? You think he's a punk. You think he quit. You don't really hold the guy in really high regard, Paul. You don't respect him. Why do you want to fight this guy? I don't like him. I don't like him. I would fight him when it takes all. The other thing is after a payday. I, I live well. I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not looking for the payday per se. I mean, we can do fight when it takes all. I don't like this guy. I think, he, I think he's a punk, but I also think he's, he's, he's got washwoman gossip-like qualities. Like he's, he's, he makes stories up. He's not a real man as far as uh, keeping keeping a, a, a man's man's word. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, there's just nothing to respect about the guy at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's become popular. He's done a nice job becoming popular. But if you actually know him, I mean, he's a dirtbag in every way. Hey, Paul, is there any more to it than him editing that tape and releasing that tape? I mean, I know where he came out on that. Is that is that what this is all about entirely? Yeah, or is there more yeah, to it that yeah, we don't know about? A lot of it is, is about that. I'll tell you why. Because you don't do that to the degree that you lie about it. You see, I'm, I'm a pretty real guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm from New York. I'm original New York. I'm a pretty real guy. Like, if, 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 if there's something that I have to admit, even if it's not good for me, I'll admit it. You know what I'm saying? But when it's made up and you're trying to portray an illusion that's not true and it's maybe, maybe it makes me look bad, that's going to drive me crazy, of course. You know what I mean? I know this guy's a punk. I saw it with my own eyes. Then he's trying to turn around the sparring and make like he got the better of it. Listen, couldn't he have done the same editing job on fight night, Saturday night? Think about it. He did a 15-second edited video of taking little clips. You could take little clips of the first three rounds of McGregor and Mayweather Saturday night, and if nobody saw the fight, you could make it look like McGregor beat him up. He's the shit out of him. You know what I'm saying? Why do you think that he would edit a tape to make you look bad on purpose? Um, I think he had a beef on me from the start. You know, um, I, I didn't realize it. You know, uh, I, I had talked bad about him when he first came to boxing. I was looking for the fight. At that time, I was just looking for the fight, you know. But, of course, I've talked bad about fighters before looking for fights. And, and fighters have even talked bad about me looking for fights when I was at the top of my game. And 
if the fight didn't happen, like nobody takes it personal, you know. Like I said, this guy's like washwoman like qualities, you know, where he he takes things personal, you know, he has like he gets like this little agenda. It's like, I don't know. To me, those are those are woman qualities. Those are guy qualities. Guy qualities, you know. Men act a certain way. Women act a certain way. You know, we're, we're, there's different genders here. You know, like I, I don't know, like the whole wash woman gossip type stuff. Uh, I, I keep keeping the keeping a grudge over over something so small, and, and then bringing me into camp to set things up. If he was as upset as you say he was on what you said before, how do you think he's going to feel when he hears that you called him a punk and a wash woman gossip? He knows. He knows. He knows what he is. You know, deep down, he knows what he is. Because I was call, I was calling him the same things when we were sparring. I was calling him a bitch. I was calling him a bitch. I was calling him a pussy. You know, I, I was saying all those things while we were sparring because I could see he folds. You know what I'm saying? And even that day, even that day, the only thing that saved him was the fact that I was in a 12-round shape. So 11 and 12, I, I, I fatigued out, you know? But I'm not trying to look good. I didn't look for a way out in 11 and 12 just because I was tired. I said, you know what? I got to give this guy 12 rounds of work. That's what they wanted today. And I'm going to finish 12 rounds of work because that's what they wanted. You know? I wasn't happy about it, but I said, you know what? I don't, I don't punk out. If I do 12 rounds, then I'm going to do 12 rounds. Look, in my mind, Connor came out of that fight looking better than he did going into it. But in Polly's mind, he came out looking much, much worse with Polly hating on him even more. He wasn't calling him a, quote, punk, bitch, and pussy. At least not publicly before that fight, but he just did right here. And clearly he's trying to get Connor to fight him. And if I were Polly, I would do the same thing. He doesn't like him, and he has to be thinking it's easy money. The problem is, even in defeat... Connor's got the hammer. Connor's calling the shots. And it probably doesn't make as much sense to Connor to fight Polly as it does for Polly to fight Connor, no matter how many times he calls him a bitch. If you made it this far, I want to tell you thank you very much. I appreciate you. And thanks for giving the brand new podcast a listen. I appreciate it so much. And if you're able to take a few more moments and leave a review, that would be awesome. Don't forget to subscribe because as soon as you do, you will not have to hunt this thing down. It will find you automatically. And trust me, you want to make sure you have it dialed in next week when Bob Costas stops by for episode two. So I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, tell a friend who you think might like it as well. And don't forget about our daily radio program, which airs live on CBS Sports Radio and GymRome.com, Monday through Friday, 12 to 3 Eastern. Once again, I love doing this first episode. I am pumped for the next one. Thanks again for listening, subscribing, and reviewing. See you next time. I'm out.